Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another NHL Trade Talk, the podcast brought to you by NHLTradeTalk.com, TradeTalkSports.com, and as always, Brooke Laferno from the Hockey Raiders and NHL Trade Talk with us here. How you doing today, Brooke? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. It's Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. so we weren't really planning on doing anything mm-hmm. today. We were going to take a nice, easy weekend, watch the rumor mill, see if there was any discussion of what might be going on, and then all of a sudden at 11 p.m., I mm-hmm. guess that's Eastern time, uh, in Toronto, the Maple Leafs make a huge deal and land Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari from the St. Louis Blues in a three-team trade, including the Minnesota Wild, lots of other pieces. But basically, the the bones of this is that Minnesota retains about 25% of Ryan O'Reilly's salary, but the Toronto Maple Leafs get O'Reilly, Achari, mm-hmm. and they give up four draft picks to make this deal work uh, for two rentals, which we didn't think was probably going to be something that the Maple Leafs were interested in doing. Clearly, Kyle Dubas decided to change his mind, and he has made a huge trade. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Would, would you call this one the biggest one yet? I mean, the Horvat one was big. Tarasenko uh-huh. was big. But we've got two players going here. We've got four draft picks being moved in the trade. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I mean, it could be it could be called the argue, the biggest one yet. I don't know. Where do you rank this one of the three major trades that have happened so far? This has to be the biggest. And it's not even because of the names in it. That's big in itself. It's because of the draft picks that are in this that make it huge. We kind of talked about before that it seemed like GMs were kind of weary. They are in general a lot of times about giving up draft picks unless they're very desperate. And obviously Toronto's a good team and they wanted to make a big splash. But to give up a first, second, third, and fourth round pick Mm -hmm. is a lot. So I think as far as trade deadline goes, I think we'll see some more big trades, obviously, because obviously me and you, Jim, are not going to rest for the next couple of weeks. Things keep happening. But I think this one will be hard to beat. Yeah, well, what makes it most... What's so interesting for me is that Kyle Dubas has basically put his job on the line here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I call this maybe the biggest one of the three. I Bo Horvat to me is the player here of the three that has the most potential to be the biggest mm-hmm. difference maker for his team. Uh, so far, it hasn't worked out very well for the Islanders, and maybe signing him to a quick long term extension could come back to bite them a little bit. But that said, this deal is all in for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like this is sink or swim. If this doesn't pan out for Kyle Dubas, there's a really good chance that he will not be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs next Uh year. O'Reilly could leave. Achari could leave. The Maple Leafs have like no drafts. I think they have like five out of 12 or something in the next (laughs) four rounds in the next three drafts. Like they don't have much left at all. Now he could restock the cupboard a little bit by moving some pieces and he could make a big deal uh, in the summertime. But this was it. Like this was the guy he's banking on or the two. Anyway, we'll see how much Achari contributes here, but like this has to work for Kyle Lewis or this is it. Right. So that mm-hmm. to me is what makes this trade so interesting is because we had just heard recently that he probably wasn't going to do this for a rental. And then when they asked him at the press conference this morning, if he'd talked to Ryan O'Reilly at all about a contract extension, his answer was essentially, no, I just want to see how these faces, you know, mesh together, how everybody does how they fit in the locker room before I even think about doing that. So this is a rental. Like he's a, mm-hmm. he's a rental. And there's even talk that O'Reilly could go back to St. Louis. Like mm-hmm. this is a, pl- a player who really liked it in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming he's excited to go to Toronto too and have a chance to win here, but that he didn't want to leave the blues. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a big one for me. Do you think it was too expensive for the Maple Leafs? Like this guy is going to arguably help them a lot. And the going to be a nice depth winger for them. 
They add a lot of faceoff skill, which they needed. They add another center, which they needed, and some flexibility to move some people around the lineup. But the four picks, the first run included, uh, first round pick that on a deep draft, it's a pretty expensive price. Too expensive, or do you think it's worth it for Toronto? Both. My first thought was I didn't know if I liked it for Toronto because I thought that was a big risk to give up four draft picks for one rentals. And like you just said, you don't know how they're going to fit. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly is a very good hockey player, not having a good year, but a new environment could spark them. But at the same time, I was like, I actually love this for Toronto because it's such a big risk. Obviously, they're a team that needs to go for it now. They've been just kind of, I don't want to say mediocre because they've done well in the regular season, but when it comes to playoffs, mediocre. So they obviously have to do something. They have to make a big splash here. So I don't fault them for that. Um, But I also know, I think from, you know, past trade deadlines that um, they say like when you go really big at the trade deadline, there's a big chance it doesn't work out just from past history. Obviously, Colorado went all in at last time and it worked for them. That was kind of a rare anomaly, so it doesn't always work. But teams are going for it right now. Obviously, you saw the Rangers are going for it with Tarasenko. The Islanders are trying to go for it with Horvat. I don't fault them for that at all. So I love it and hate it. Like I said, I love it for the risk of it, and I also hate it for the risk uh, that Toronto's taking. But I'll be interested if this works out, though. Do you think they're done? Like, I'm reading all sorts of tweets this morning from, you know, some pretty (laughs) reputable insiders uh, that – this is not finished for Dubas. Like he's going to continue to look around. Now he doesn't have draft picks to move anymore. So whatever he moves is going to either have to be prospects or players off of the roster. Right. And the prospects he said in his media conference this morning, he specifically did not move them because he didn't want to give up the things he knows. So he, I think his phrasing was, it's better to know what you have than to mm-hmm. go for the mystery. What's in the mystery box, which is basically what draft picks are, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Your draft picks could mean the future of your organization, but you don't know which picks are going to pan out and which ones are not. And you're taking a chance that you draft well and that you get a good spot and you get a good player and you hit on one or two out of eight picks or whatever the situation is, right? He knows his prospects. He knows the players that he has. He did not want to move either of those pieces to make this deal work. So my question is, what else can he possibly do that would follow those same rules? So if he's not moving draft picks, or he would move draft picks because that's what he's interested in, but he doesn't have any more to give, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to move prospects, that means he's moving players. So assuming he does anything else, who's he moving? Like, are we talking Alex Kerfoot here, Pierre Engvall, you know, like, are we thinking there's more coming here in Toronto? Like, is Dubas done? Because... There are questions about his blue line and his goaltending for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. He tackled what a lot of people thought was the priority in getting a forward and he got two of them. Mm -hmm. What else do you see happening here? I don't think Toronto's done. And we kind of talked about this on the hockey writers quick fire a little bit that I still see him targeting defense. Dubas did talk about forward and defense. Now, can he make it work? With, like you said, with what he's willing to part with, I don't know. But at the same time, I think we also have to take whatever Dubas says with a grain of salt. Obviously, he was doing a little um, finagling with the media a little bit there when he said he wasn't really willing to give up a lot of draft picks for a rental. What does he do? He does that. And obviously, general managers do that. They don't really want to tip off what they're doing. So he could say he's not very comfortable dealing prospects right now, but that could be, you know, 
a negotiating strategy there. We don't know what he's willing to part with at the end of the day. So I do think if the price is right, he will part with a prospect. And I still, like I said, he they were linked to Jake McCabe in Chicago. And I'm not saying they're going to get Jake McCabe, but that makes me think they're still targeting defense. I don't know what will come of that, but yeah, I don't think they're done by any stretch. But yeah, like I said, have, take it with a grain of salt for what it is. I don't really trust what Dubis is saying is very true. And I kind of like that for him. There's a lot of mystery there, and that's a pretty good negotiating strategy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what else he tries to do here because if he thinks his team is done, like they're they're super deep up front now. Like they've got really strong forwards. They've got centers. They've tackled the face-off question. They've tackled some of the grit question and the two-way hockey. And defense. like they tackled a lot of that with this trade. That's great. But it will be interesting to see if they – want to do anything else and what they can do and who they will target because you got to remember the other side of the coin here is that these teams need to want the players you're trying to give away right Mm -hmm. so if you're moving Kerfoot if you're moving Engvall if you're moving whomever you're moving to to find the cap space to do some things who what teams want these players like Chicago, you tell me if you're moving Jake McCabe, are you looking at anybody on Toronto's roster and going, yeah, that's what we want? No, no, no. We'd rather have the picks. Uh Like what is Chicago willing to take from Toronto to make that work? Um, they did say the asking price. Now this is what's being reported. I don't have a definitive answer from the Blackhawks, obviously, but they did say they were asking for a first. That's what's being reported. Again, I don't think Toronto is going to do that. Maybe they'll lessen the asking price, depending on what people, I guess, are willing to move for Jake McCabe at this point. But considering the fact that the Blackhawks are targeting draft picks, it seems like a lot right now, and they're targeting prospects, that kind of thing, I don't see them necessarily targeting players like David Kampf or like a Justin Hall, that kind of thing. So it's interesting, but like I said, I guess we never know what general managers are thinking, but... Like I said, there's a lot of weird talk, though, I think, on Toronto's defense. Like I said, Justin Hall's name's been out there since last year. I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a trade of something like that, like Justin Hall for another defenseman. But, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's switch sides and talk about the Blues for a second here because this was not just a big trade for Toronto. This was a really big trade for St. Louis. This is a team that has won, like, three in a row, and they mm-hmm. were looking at maybe having a chance to sneak in here. Now, I can see why Arm, Doug Armstrong, the GM of the Blues, has done this. Like He moved Tarasenko. He's probably going to move Ivan Barbashev. There's talk that he's moving players like Colton Perico and other names that could come out of St. Louis. If you think you're moving younger and you're going to go, okay, well, we're talking Robert Thomas, we're talking Jordan Cairo, we're not really talking Ryan O'Reilly, and you can get this kind of return for Ryan O'Reilly, I can see why you did this. Like It yeah. makes sense to me. And there's always the chance that he chooses to come back to St. Louis and which case you picked up a pretty nice haul for a player that you only loaned out for a few months. But I don't know that they're going to do that. I don't see if St. Louis really goes back to the O'Reilly. I think O'Reilly winds up somewhere else, if not staying in Toronto. But what does St. Louis do now? Like, what is their plan? Like, are they're like Andy Strickland writes, they're not really rebuilding. They're not going into a full rebuild mode. Most people in St. Louis and people who cover this team quite closely are saying the same thing. They've got too many good young pieces to say that we're going into a full rebuild, but they are, seem to be moving mm-hmm. um they're selling early you know they're selling yeah. before they've really given themselves a realistic chance of making the playoffs here so are they writing the season off i suppose and mm-hmm. you know what's the plan now are they going to try and turn around and add some other pieces with these picks or just stock up the because they could get another first here for mm-hmm. 
you know, some of the players are thinking about moving. I love this for St. Louis. And that pains my heart as a Chicago person because the St. Louis Blues are, you know, a big division rival. But I got to give their general manager credit. I think what he's doing is very ballsy because, like I said, you're trading your captain. You're trading one of the faces of the franchise in Tarasenko. And that's those are tough decisions, even though Tarasenko requested a trade. But if I'm being honest... I know the pundits say it's not exactly a rebuild. In my mind, it is. When you trade away faces of your franchise, you're rebuilding. That's kind of how I look at it. And maybe it is kind of a retool, but, I mean, obviously you don't want to say that. You just made the playoffs. You're going to miss the playoffs this year, that kind of thing. But you have to do something if you're St. Louis. Obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're one of the worst teams in the Central, but they did pretty good, though. They got three first-round picks for this year. I mean, yeah. I really like what they're doing. And obviously they could get a lot more, like you said, with Ivan Barbashev and Colton Pareko's been out there. So, yeah, like I said, I see it as a rebuild, if I'm being completely honest. And maybe I'm reading that wrong, but if they are, that's the way you would do it, though. Just get as many picks as you possibly can. And so I think St. Louis might be pretty scary in the next couple of years if they play this right. Yeah, I mean, it's assuming that they... They've given out some pretty big deals to some players here um, mm-hmm. that they're not going to be moving, that they're going to be keeping, that they're building this team around. I I do wonder what, because Armstrong is different, right? Like he does not care what people think of him, what they say he should do, what he like. He's held on to players when he thought we all thought he was going to trade them. Mm-hmm. And then St. Louis wins the Stanley Cup like they they've done some stuff under his watch when you're like, huh, I'm surprised that he did that. But. He just beats to his own drum. He doesn't care. Like he's just going to do what he thinks is right for this team. And he obviously felt moving Ryan O'Reilly was the right thing to do at the right time. Um, but yeah, he's got pending UFAs and Ivan Barbashev and Thomas Grice. He's got mm-hmm. some players on the on the blue line, whether it's Tori Krug or Justin Falk or Colton Perico, all of whom are making some pretty good money. Yeah. And you don't really know if they fit, like if they're rebuilding and like, if you think that that's what they're doing, they've got some interesting pieces there because some of those mm-hmm. guys, their timing doesn't necessarily work for a rebuild very well. No. Right. Like you, mm-hmm. are you going to have the Justin Falks and the Tory Krugs at the time when you are saying, okay, if we're rebuilding, we're three years out from being, you know, Stanley cup contenders four years out again. Well, those guys aren't really part of your plan. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see if he's just trying to retool really quickly and in a very deep draft, pick up some really good pieces. Um, because like they say, anything between like one and 20 is potential NHL player uh, ready to go. Like it, it should be interesting to see where this goes, but I don't think he's done. Like I, I don't, I think he's, what I won't say is that I don't think necessarily he's rebuilding, but I think he's written off this season, even though yeah. St. Louis isn't out of it. Like they got one more win than Nashville does. And Nashville still trying to figure out if they're going to be sellers. They, mm-hmm. they they don't like we're not buying, but I don't think we're going to be necessarily sellers yet. St. Louis has already sold three major pieces off of their roster, um, making other teams better. So, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens here. Uh, we'll probably have lots more to talk about when it comes to what happens here in Toronto and how this trade unfolds, because the injury situation for O'Reilly is going to be interesting to watch. We talk about how this is, you know, a make or break for Kyle Dubas. Well, mm-hmm. part of that is. Can Ryan O'Reilly be Ryan O'Reilly of the past and the Consumite Trophy winner, or is he Nick Felino 
mm-hmm. right? That's going to be very interesting to watch out of Toronto. So we'll see anywhere else you want to go here um, in terms of conversations regarding, I mean, we, we've done some pretty quick succession shows here, but there's always news kind of flopping out here in the NHL. There's stuff to talk about. Anybody else that's on your radar, anything else that we should cover as we wind down the show for today? I will say, I know we talked about this before the show a little bit, but the team right now that I have my eye on is the Detroit Red Wings. I think Stevie Eiserman's got something up his sleeve. And usually I know that kind of doesn't mean anything because he usually is always doing something. But they have seen improvement this year. And I know they're only technically like three points um, out of the final wild card, but that's still kind of a bit to jump with the Capitals and the Panthers. But there's a lot of drama, though, going on there a little bit with Dylan Larkin. There's a little bit of uncertainty there, not knowing if they'll get a deal done before the deadline, if he'll end up walking. And obviously they re-signed Olimata to an extension, which was Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting move, in my opinion. So I don't know where Detroit is exactly going at this point. They're rebuilding and they're doing better, but I'll be interested. I'm interested to see what this deadline brings for them and how they plan on exactly continuing down this path of improving. Yeah. If Larkin goes, that'll be the, it's hard to put a definition on what this is. That'll be the most surprising, not surprising trade of the season. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Yep. Right. Like, we have been hearing about Dylan Larkin for the longest time that they're working on a contract extension, that the two stars aren't all that close, but mm-hmm. a lot of people still believe that the Red Wings will get this done and that Larkin will stick around, but nobody will be shocked, I guess, if he's traded because yeah. maybe talks fall apart or things don't go well or whatever, but that'll still be a surprise, like, because it didn't get done if it doesn't mm-hmm. get done. Right. And that they've signed Olimata, who could have been an interesting trade piece, um, here at the deadline. So it says to me that, yeah, okay, well, we're going to try to lock these pieces up that we think are mm-hmm. going to be important to us over the next few years. I just, I'm very curious to see what Larkin's number is. Like if he wants 9 million or more and the Red Wings are like, no, we're not doing that. Right. How far does this go? Like, are we talking about the season ending with no deal for Larkin and then we're wondering what happens in the summer. And are we expecting a Larkin trade before the draft? Are we thinking, okay, no, they'll, they'll get this done. It's just taking longer. And if it takes forever, does that matter? You know, does it ruffle the feathers? Does Larkin kind of sign it and go, man, that shouldn't have taken so long. Why was that? So, you know, contentious and tricky to get done. Like it is interesting. Like it's going to be, it's going to be funny to watch. I'm still waiting to see. And you mentioned it before we came on here, what happens with, uh, Chikrin uh, out of Arizona because he has not moved yet. He's still <laughs> sitting out. Gavrikov is sitting out for the Blue Jackets. Yeah. These guys are like, one of the things that they noted about Ryan O'Reilly was that I don't know if a conversation ever happened or if they asked him specifically if he was willing to sit out, but he was like, no, I'm playing, right? So that could have been a factor as to why this deal got done so quickly was because Ron O'Reilly was not interested in sitting out. Like he just, he just came back from an injury. He was just getting back and warmed up. He was like, no, I'm playing. And he's adamant that he plays tonight for Toronto against Montreal. Mm -hmm. So he wants to play. And there's a couple guys sitting out right now who could be traded here and nothing's happening there. Like they've pulled these guys from the lineup and there's no conversations happening. There's nothing imminent between, any of the teams, the closest we think might be Chickering to Los Angeles, but even that's apparently not that close. There's been no link of Gavrikov to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I would assume now Toronto's out of that. You know, I don't know if they were ever in it, but this mm-hmm. deal 
kind of probably pulls him out of the Gavrikov conversation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. Do you think we'll get anything before the end of the weekend? Um, do you know what? Because me and you have been so busy hopping on here every couple of days because of something really unexpected, I'll say yes. I think something's happening. I think maybe, I think it'll still get busier towards the end of the deadline, but because now the prices, I think we're set so high and now everyone knows what's happening now that O'Reilly left and now that Tarasenko is off the board yeah I think we're gonna see some more movement I wouldn't be surprised well I'll, you know what you say about prices being said I'm writing an article right now for the hockey Raiders about Minnesota's involvement in this trade and mm-hmm. how they retain 25 percent of Ryan mm-hmm. O'Reilly's deal which basically equates to about 75 grand that's yes. it like not much money at all mm-hmm. but Toronto had to give them a fourth round pick to do that mm-hmm. so what does that mean for a team like Edmonton who might need to get a third team involved in a Carlson deal or any other team right now looking at making a trade where the salary cap is really tight and then going to an Arizona or a Chicago or an Anaheim or even Minnesota, who still has a lot more money left and going, Hey, we'd like to you to consider retaining. What's it going to cost those teams? Like in a Carlson's mm-hmm. case, if you're talking about 50% or 25% or whatever the case, like that's like $9 million over the next four years. What does that cost? Is that a first round pick to get a team to do that? Yeah. Like that's a lot. That is asking mm-hmm. that team to take on a lot of money. And mm-hmm. if Toronto had to give up a fourth for 75K, which, I mean, to them, it's the cap hit that matters, not the actual dollar figure. But, like, the price for that set, too, now, uh, essentially. So that's going to make things challenging for teams that want to get a third group involved here and what that's going to cost to make that work. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at that, too. I'm very curious to see now if this really is like, okay, now third teams know this is what we're looking at. This is what we can potentially get for retaining this much salary. It's interesting. But I do I- think this kind of sets a weird precedent with Patrick Kane. I know we talk about this every week, just like how we said. We talk about the Oilers a lot, too. Sorry, guys. We have a lot to talk about, though, on both sides, though, so it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I think this kind of sets a weird tone for if Patrick Kane decides to leave. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about this before about the three team trade thing, possibly with someone like Patrick Kane to take on salary. I think this makes it a lot more interesting um, now that teams know what's going on. So yeah, I think that makes Kane's situation a little more interesting. Yeah. He's a good example because there's probably going to need to be a third team involved in that deal. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that's the case and your whatever team is looking Vegas or Edmonton or whomever is looking at Dallas is looking at Patrick Kane and going, okay, well, we need a third team here. What's it going to cost us to get them to take, you know, mm-hmm. 2.5 million bucks mm-hmm. around there. Uh, yeah. That's not going to be cheap. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be interesting to see if that stops or slows or complicates these deals in any way, because Minnesota didn't have to do much to make no. this work and they got a fourth out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be curious Good for Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was smart. I mean, this is the one year that they have, in which to do it right they they can't be doing this next season or the year after because of all their stupid cap money that they're going to be giving away but this is the year especially if they start like they're not playing all that great no so Mm -hmm. there's a really good chance that they might not be in the playoff conversation Mm -hmm. and so if over the next week and a half they continue to sort of struggle i think you'll see this more like especially Mm -hmm. from teams like looking at what minnesota just did and saying you know what there's an opportunity here for us to pick up thirds and fourths and and whatever for very little money. So it'll be fun to watch. 
Brooke, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, we wanted to make sure we hopped on here to talk about the O'Reilly and Nolachari trade uh, before another trade came down. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. we couldn't get them both on the show at the same time. Figured we'd do one just to talk about those two deals. But uh, we'll keep our eyes open for you know Patrick Kane out of Chicago, Jacob Chickren out of Arizona, two players that you're watching very closely. Mm-hmm. There's lots coming here. I mean, we yeah. are, what, February 18th. So we're just under two weeks away. From the yeah. deadline, I think we're going to see some more action. And despite the fact that everybody says it's going to be really hard to do because of the cap, we're already seeing the deals, right? Mm-hmm. So they're coming down the pipe, which is interesting. Yeah, teams are getting it done. It's exciting to see. And I think we talked about this a little bit too, that this might be one of the most exciting trade deadlines. I know there was a lot of smoke beforehand and everyone's like, I don't know if this will be as exciting or if this is just all talk, but now we're seeing it. So I do think, yeah, we're in for a treat, I think. Yeah, that'll be good. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Don't forget, download, subscribe, the NHL Trade Talk podcast. You can get it on your favorite podcast platforms. You can go to thehockeywriters.com, check out Brooke and myself, uh, all of our articles on there, nhltradetalk.com, tradetalksports.com. You'll see us everywhere. Uh, Feel free to check them out and uh, share and subscribe and listen to this. And the archives are up there, too. So we appreciate it. And as soon as we get another trade, we'll have another episode. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.